From the Wharton School of the University of Pennsylvania and Sirius XM, this is the Work and Life podcast, which explores how to create harmony among the different parts of life, work, home, community, and the private self, your mind, body, and spirit. The conversation you're about to hear was originally recorded on the Work and Life radio show on Sirius XM 111, business radio powered by Wharton. Here's your host, founding director of Wharton's Work-Life Integration Project and author of the bestseller, Total Leadership, Professor Stu Friedman. My guest today is Marcy Albaher, who is vice president of Encore.org, which is a nonprofit that makes it easier for millions of older people to pursue second acts in their careers. Marcy wrote the Encore Career Handbook, How to Make a Living and a Difference in the Second Half of Life, and she also wrote One Person Slash Multiple Careers, the original guide to the slash career. Marcy's a former blogger and columnist for the New York Times. She serves on the board of Girls Right Now, that's with a W-R-I-T-E, on the advisory council of Echoing Green's Work on Purpose program, and on the advisory board of the Op-Ed Project. In sum, Marcy Albaher has a long and distinguished history of documenting and supporting alternative career paths and looking at how one pursues a meaningful career throughout one's life in a way that brings one's whole person to that work. In this episode, we talk about the Experience Corps, which has adults trained as literacy tutors for K-3 through students in need. Everyone wins, the students, the teachers, the elder tutors, our society. We also talk about Encore.org's great new campaign, really exciting. It's called Generation to Generation, the goal of which is to mobilize a million senior adults to show up to help kids in need. We talk about the movement that's growing in the corporate world, in human resources, in academia, in nonprofits, and in the media to see the benefit of using seasoned, experienced adults for the greater good. How Obvious is this movement in terms of its need and value for our society. Finally, we talk about the value of lifelong learning in building not only new skills, but also confidence to take on the challenges one faces in one's elder years, which is a topic that is increasingly of interest to me personally. Here is my conversation with Marcy Alberher. Hey, Marcy. Hey, Stu. How are you? I'm good. Thanks so much for joining us tonight. It's great to have you back. And I'm, I'm thrilled that the show is now widely available as a podcast. This yes, is great. yes. Uh, and you can find that, folks, at uh, workandlifepodcast.com to, to get free episodes if your friends are not uh, SiriusXM subscribers and they want to hear us. So let's let's just get right into it. What is uh, what is Encore.org for those listeners who might not know about it? How did it get started, and how did you get into it? Great, uh, good opener. Um, so Encore.org is a, a very small uh, national nonprofit. Uh, we only have about thirty employees, and uh, many of us li- uh, live and work in San Francisco and New York City, which is the the places where we have two offices. But we also mm-hmm. have some remote folks in other parts of the country as well. 
And uh, the organization is um, actually, uh, we're approaching our 20th year. And uh, we were created by uh, my colleague, Mark Friedman, who is a really well-known social innovator, social entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. who was consumed with the idea that um, we have an aging population. And in many respects, that's that's presented as a problem, right? What are we going to do with all these older people? What are we going to do if we have more older people than younger people? And and Mark likes to say um, our rapidly aging population to him was like a solution hidden in plain sight. What if we looked at our aging population not as a problem, but as an army of experienced mm-hmm. problem solvers available to solve all the social issues of our day, but particularly the social issues that involve kinds of things that only human beings can do, which is things that are relationship-based. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the idea was to create this incubator of uh, new ideas and programs and models of a way to kind of create scalable ways to mobilize um, people with experience to, to solve problems and to move into what we call second act for the greater good, whether that's full-time work in the nonprofit sector or in some other mission-focused environment, either, you know, in a staff position as a volunteer or creating some venture of your own as a social entrepreneur um, or um, or as something that you do around the edges of your life, um, maybe, you know, in your community, not in something you would call a job or even in your family, playing a role that is appropriate and um, takes advantage of the skills that older people have, like mentoring and empathy and um, just uh, a lot of wisdom. Mm-hmm. So we, we do uh, two or three things primarily. Uh, one is communications. We're in the storytelling business. Um, we do research in this area. We do a lot of thought leadership. Many of us on our, ta- our team speak and write and uh, do all kinds of public kind of, we kind of inject these ideas into the public conversation so that they're normalized. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, that's important to overcome the the stigma that's associated with aging, right? Or is there some other, like what is is the primary sort of marketing drive that that you're out there speaking to try to uh, change? A few different things. One is just, as you said, to kind of remove stigma. You mentioned even like ageism and age discrimination. And if we start kind of uplifting models of older people as solutions oriented, not just as frail, as older people, as people who, you know, as as some of the people who are kind of really saving the day in many instances and using their experience to influence the next generation and to help young people and to partner with young people. We're just elevating new kinds of stories. You know, there's some, some, uh, you know, memes out there about the generations being at war or the generations not feeling so close. And mm-hmm. we know there's an alternate, you know, kind of narrative out there. And we are really interested in not necessarily creating something new, but often elevating what's out, out happening in the world. So we uncover things that are happening in mm-hmm. communities um, and stories of everyday people doing um, very high-impact things in their communities and often beyond. And so, this idea is not limited to the U.S. too. It's happening all over not. the world. Well, and it's, it's been happening forever. It's not like this is a new idea, uh, right? The the idea of people uh, continuing to be generating value and even especially so as they age, 
uh, with you know the wisdom and uh, capacity for relationships that that uh, that tends to grow uh, with age. It's 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 almost an odd thing that that we need uh, you know uh, to 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 be devoting you know extraordinary resources of any kind to try to make. Uh, this obvious solution in plain sight, as as Mark referred to it, uh, something that we need to work to try to ha- have happen in the world. It just it seems so natural. It does. It does. And in many ways, if you look at every culture around the globe, elders, right, are revered. And we all come from cultures where we know about that. Right. But um, there's there's a lot of ways that our society has kind of come away from that. Mm-hmm. Um we we have something that Mark likes to call age apartheid. <laughs> we separate mm-hmm. the generations, right? We put older people in in senior communities. Fifty there are fifty plus communities that don't welcome young people, and uh, there are preschools where there's never any old people around. And what if we um, what if we got away from separating the gen separating the generations and kind of created new models? Like you know, there are these. So, you know, there are these uh, interesting models sprouting up where you hear things like college students paired with kind of isolated seniors in interesting living arrangements. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, there's all kinds of innovations happening where um, you, you kind of see what can happen when you put the generations together rather than separate them. So one of the things you do is get out there and tell those stories and, and really help to cut into the model of uh, age apartheid that, that has somehow and we can talk, I'm sure, about, at great length about how this has emerged. But it's a reality that that the age that the generations are separated, and it does no one any good. So, right. uh, what else is it that you are primarily focused on as an organization at Encore? So, so the first part, right, would be communications mm-hmm. and um, thought leadership. The second piece is innovating, scalable models to be like a force multiplier. So, if we can mobilize millions of people in different ways. Um, to think of themselves and their and what they can be doing, um, that's that's kind of another area we play in. So, uh, two examples that are quite different are the kinds of programs we've yeah. incubated and are scaling. One was our very first program was called Experience Core, which was a program designed to um, employ adults over 50 mm-hmm. as literacy tutors with um, a K through third graders. Um, So what you'd found is that there were adults who had some time on their hands in communities where where schools were really suffering and uh, they were available to to work 15 hours a week tutoring kids. And um, these this program was created and adults were um, trained to do this kind of work and they worked in teams and Mm -hmm. they became a part of something. And the program has been extensively researched and it has. Um, an amazing impact on the kids, on the mentors, and on the schools, creating help in the classroom for overburdened teachers. Everyone wins. It's such an obvious thing. Yeah, so... Right. That program is an example of a program that was incubated in our organization Mm -hmm. and then adopted by AARP, which could scale it much further, and it's Mm -hmm. now in about 22 cities around the country. Wow, that's fantastic. What else? What what about generation to generation, which I know is something that you're working on? Yeah, that's a big one right now. So right now we launched a five-year campaign called Generation to Generation. Tell us about that. Our mission is to mobilize a million adults over the age of 50 to stand up and show up for our young people, particularly... um, 
young people growing up in challenging circumstances. And as part of that campaign, we've, and, and there's a separate uh, website for it, generationtogeneration.org, hashtag gen to gen. Hopefully you'll start seeing that all over the place. Mm-hmm. We've partnered with, um, it, the list gets bigger every day, but last I checked, it was something like 75 youth-serving organizations. Mm-hmm. Organizations you've heard of, like Boys and Girls Clubs and Playworks and all kinds of organizations that um, are interested in recruiting adults over 50 um, in new kinds of roles to work with young people. So to help on playgrounds, uh, recess, to, I mean, we're working right now with a bunch of organizations that are thinking about the summer learning gap that happens with kids. Mm-hmm. So what happens when um, there's no school lunch and there's no school and how do we get to kids? So we're working on what would a, what would summer mobilization look like. So if you go to our site now, that's what, what's happening. Around college application time, we did a bit, big partnership with Strive for College, which is a virtual mentoring organization yeah. that, um, that bring where um, older people were able to volunteer to help a young person work on college essays and financial aid applications. Hi, this is Stu Friedman. I hope you're enjoying this conversation, and I'm just so glad you're listening. If you like the Work and Life podcast, I would personally appreciate your taking just a minute to rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you access this podcast, whatever your favorite platform is. We are relatively new as a podcast, uh, and our team is working really hard to bring you for free the best of the conversations that took place on my Sirius XM radio show, but were previously available only to paid subscribers. So every positive rating and review helps us to grow our capacity to move faster toward the goal of sharing useful information and insights about how to create harmony among the different parts of life with people who wouldn't otherwise have access So please do help us, and if you have ideas for what we can do to improve our impact, please write to me at friedman at wharton.upenn.edu. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks, and now, back to the show. Tell us more about uh, the other programs that uh, that you're working on, or or finish the story uh, about Generation to Generation. Uh, Sorry, if there's more to say about that. I can tell you some examples of the Purpose Prize, which is a program we ran for 10 years. Mm -hmm. And in the Purpose Prize, we gave out $100,000 prizes to social innovators over the age of 60. And the reason we did that prize is we wanted to tell a new story about what innovation looks like, Mm -hmm. so that you wouldn't just think it's, you know, a bunch of, you know, Young guys, you know, in a, you know, coming up, cooking up an internet company above a garage in Silicon Valley. But it could be, you know, a retired social worker who comes up with an idea to keep siblings together in the foster care system because that person has, you know, 30 years of experience and knows what happens when siblings get separated. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we've been rewarding that kind of innovation and putting the spotlight on it for, 
quite some time now. Yes. So that's another kind of storytelling and mm-hmm. um, and, and acknowledgement and activity. yeah, and, and recognition and spreading the word about innovative practices. So so there's the speaking piece. There's mo- mobilizing. Uh, people uh, as they age and connecting them to uh, s- real social needs, uh, of, especially for of young people. I, I think you were saying earlier that, that there's a third element as well of what uh, Encore yeah, does. Yeah, but I would love to talk about one other kind of pathway program that we're really Please. proud of that I think would be of interest to your yes. listeners in particular, mm-hmm. which is we have a program called the Encore Fellowships, and that's um, a program we created um, in around 2009, mm-hmm. and it's a pathway for people who are nearing retirement age in corporate jobs who want to move to more mission-focused work. So let's mm-hmm. say you're you know, in a marketing job at a company and you're thinking, wow, I've got skills I could be using you know, at a nonprofit or in some organization um, where I could really you know, help people in some way. There was never a really good way to make that transition. And we kept on hearing from people who'd say, I want to work in the nonprofit sector, but every time I go on interviews, they say, what kind of nonprofit experience do you have? Mm. So it was a bit of a catch-22. Right. And we'd find these people with you know, 20, 30 years of excellent corporate experience who were turned away from nonprofits, though, because the nonprofits would say, but you don't understand how the nonprofit sector works. You don't understand what it's like when mission matters more than money. Um, and, mm-hmm. and that is a very interesting transition. So we created a fellowship program, and we almost call it like a, an internship for baby boomers because it is, um, for young people, there's all kinds of transitional pathways to helping you get front to where you want to go. Mm-hmm. But these things don't exist at mid or later life when people are ready to extend their career, but may need a new kind of skill set mm-hmm. or may need to understand a new culture. So yes. we created these one-year transitional fellowships. It's highly competitive. Um, what does that mean? Now you mean it's, it's hard to get into the fellowship? It's, yeah, it's hard to get into it. You have to apply. Really? Um, so is there somebody not, you can, can like pay everyone. off to get in? Uh, no, it doesn't work like that. Just kidding. Um, but people with with great experience mm-hmm. um, who want to use their skills in a, a new environment are the kind of candidates we're looking for. We've placed about 1,500 um, wow. fellows in about 50 metro markets around the country mm-hmm. in all kinds of nonprofits. And, you know, if you're a finance person or an IT person or a marketing person or an operations person... Um, you know, we've placed a cluster of fellows in Portland, Oregon, at a health clinic that, um, you know, works with uninsured, um, many migrant workers, and a, a team of fellows has been helping that or a nonprofit scale its operations, think about new models for delivering health care. And these are people who never worked in healthcare in their life and hmm. never worked in a medical cl- clinic, but had transferable skills. Mm-hmm. Um, and were jazzed at the idea of doing work that they felt mattered. Awesome. So, um, so that's a program we're really proud of. And yeah. um, What's the future of know, Encore Fellows look like? Oh, it, uh, it looks like, I mean, the future of it is we really see this as an, an HR model for companies to be thinking about. So hmm. if companies were really thinking about investing in uh, their employees from the beginning till their retirement, this is an option. Um, The fellowship is an option they can offer to retiring employees as a perk, as a benefit. 
And that would be very intriguing to young people, too, who are thinking about the long arc of their career to know, just as you've been such a leader in this area, Stu, helping companies to think about what do parents need at, at their life stage, what, you know, what are the various things we're juggling at different parts of our lives. The fellowship is a model that companies should be considering if they're trying to think about what's happening at the later part of somebody's career. Hmm. How can we take the human capital that we've helped to build in our yeah. talent force and actually help create bridges to, hmm. to transition that human capital into the community? In, so, ways, in ways that might enhance the brand of the company. I could see all kinds of benefits course. there. Of course. It's a great CSR idea, you know, consumer um, corporate social responsibility. Mm-hmm. It's a great way to partner. So, you know, we've worked with many companies already. So and, and do you think that's that, a very innovative approach to HR. It's, uh, and do you think that young people are – I mean, I'm, su- I'm surprised that young people would be thinking about the arc of their careers that long in advance. That, wow, I'm going to join this well, company you know, because – 40 years from now, they're going to place me in, uh, in some social setting that it's going to allow me to do good. I would say- well, think about it this way, Stu. Like we, we've been trained by the financial services industry to plan for our retirement, right, from the time we get our very first job. What That's are you told true. to do? Right? You were told, plan for your retirement, contribute financially. to your 401k. Yep. Right, financially. Mm-hmm. But what if you also treated your own um, kind of personal... Um, purpose, you know, your own, yeah, your value talent, to your the purpose, world. All of this. What if you treated your own career as mm-hmm. your your retirement plan? Like, mm-hmm. what should you do to invest in yourself, and mm-hmm. how could your employer help you think about that? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. So I could see why so many people would want to be a part of the fellows program. So a lot of what you do, I imagine, is to be uh, is to be finding the right the right connections for the fellows to be engaged in and making those matches, right? right? So you're, right. you're kind of like a, so, a matchmaking service in that sense. Yes, in that sense. And we have many partners. We partner with local affiliates around the country. We don't operate all the fellows programs. Mm-hmm. We operate two of them in New York and in Silicon Valley uh, just to keep our hand deep into it. And then we have partners other organizations that are local program operators in different markets around the country. So that's mm-hmm. our scaling model for that program. I see. And, and so what is the third element of the, of the three-legged uh, yeah, stool? Yeah, the that... third element is really um, what we call movement building. So hmm. um, lots of people are, um, are getting interested in this Encore idea. Leaders in HR, in academia, in research, mm-hmm. in um the corporate world, uh, in all kinds of, in the nonprofit sector, in foundations, in the media. And um, so we um, connect at the kind of leader level. Um, lots of people who want to be part of this movement. We have national conferences. We have a, a new network for leaders who want to kind of um, be out front on these kinds of issues, mm-hmm. just as people who work on diversity issues mm-hmm. have trade organizations. So we have something called the Encore Network, and you can join as an individual or as um, an organization if these issues matter to you and are relevant to your community work or you know the, the work that you're doing out in the world. Yeah, age diversity in the workplace seems to be a growing issue. Um, what do you think is the most important front that, that uh, we've just got a couple of minutes left here, Marcy, for, for organizations to be uh, 
moving on so as to you know remove uh, or at least reduce the stigmas associated with uh, with people growing old and to capture their uh, their value yeah i mean i think this is um unlike many other kind of identifiers and you know aging is something we're all going to do it's something everybody can really relate to if we're right? lucky Right. And I've heard a lot of talking lately about you know, affinity groups, just as we have GL, you know, GLBT group uh-huh. and kind of women's group. What if we had groups of people who were thinking about their encores and thinking about this next life stage and work and how to make the most of the kind of seasoned employees in an organization, uh, people who should be at a stage where they're starting to pass on their knowledge right, to others on the team and at the same time, maybe thinking about their next step and getting support. Um, cross-mentorship is a huge issue that comes up a lot and I think has great potential. You know, the classic example is the younger person mm-hmm. kind of teaching about technology and the older person teaching about kind of management and relationships, um, network building, those kinds of things. So I think there's a lot of ways that as we come to a place where we're going to have close to four generations, right, in the, wor- mm-hmm. in the workplace at lunch, at the same time, thinking about what are the unique things that different generations bring to a work workforce and how could we build workplaces that are friendly and supportive of those different kinds of things. So uh, last thing I'll ask you, and then I will let you go, Marcy. What what are the the major obstacles? What's the thing that holds people back from shifting gears in you know their their sixties and uh, or around that age? What what are the the psychological and social challenges that people face as they as they get near uh, formal retirement but want to pursue something more. What what kinds of fears or anxieties come up for people? And what's you know based on your in- incredible experience now with this issue, what's your best advice for how people can overcome whatever those hurdles might be? Yeah, I mean, first of all, we talked about ageism and age discrimination, and some of that is internalized. You know, do we have self-talk that we have to kind of work on where we're not sure we can make changes anymore, we're less confident of being able to learn new things, um, we're worried that mm-hmm. the world is changing in ways that we might not be able to keep up with. I think we've all, as we age, start to worry about that. Um, Definitely. Or, you know, right, you know, what, will, what, what got me here won't get me there, you know, there's mm-hmm. that expression, you know. So I think that that's a big concern. And it is also the external problem, too, that a lot of employers feel those things about older workers. Um, so I think one of the biggest things we all realize is um, what, one of the things that helps people get past this is realizing that um, if you're going to stay in the game, the best thing to do is to keep collecting new experiences and be a lifelong learner. Mm-hmm. And um, those people who have actually you know, had jobs know that they get training all the time. And the reason yep. they're up on the latest kind of tools is that they're using the latest tools. And I've interviewed countless people who've gone back to school in their 60s, whether it's for an online learning module or certification or a full-on degree of some kind. And then they find they're at the same place as the person who's just entering that field for the first time, getting Mm -hmm. the latest information, the latest training, um, and they feel current. And I think that's really important. Staying engaged and and learning. Yeah, staying engaged and being confident that, you know, 
you, you can still learn and you should still learn. And I think every successful Encore transition I've seen um, involves either immersion learning or academic learning mm-hmm. or some kind of ex- experiential pathway. The fellowship, for example, right, is an experiential pathway. You mm-hmm. learn by having that experience of going somewhere and learning and building a new, new network. Uh, by showing up, volunteering, going to events, mm-hmm. um, hanging around the issue um, that you care about and meeting the people who are in your neighborhood, in your community, um, working on the stuff that you're passionate about. Marcy, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and wisdom uh, and for uh, telling us about Encore.org. What's what's the best way for uh, for listeners to find out more about the great initiatives that your organization is up to? It's on the website, Encore.org. It's our name. It's our website. It's easy to find. You could reach me at Hey Marcy on Twitter, H-E-Y-M-A-R-C-I. We have a newsletter. We don't send out news too often, so you could sign up right on the homepage. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, you know, I think the campaign is also a wonderful way, and we think everyone has a role to play in that campaign, whatever your age is, because, you know, there's some way to get involved where, wherever you are in life. Generation to generation. Yes. Dot org. Yes. Thank you so much, Marcy. It's been great talking with you. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Marcy Albaher about Encore.org. What a great organization. Their fellowships, uh, the Generation to Generation campaign, and more. If you're at the midpoint of your career or beyond, I have a challenge for you or an invitation to use a piece of what Marcy and I just talked about. Why not experiment with learning or trying something new to learn a new skill, build your confidence in a way that has a positive impact on people who could use your help. Write to me and let me know how this experience went and what you discovered in trying this new thing. I would love to hear from you. It's friedman at wharton.upenn.edu. And please do take two seconds to rate and review our podcast, the Work and Life podcast on iTunes. I really appreciate when people do that. I read all the comments. And listeners tell me that it feels good to share the practical ideas we're generating here on this podcast and at the Wharton Work-Life Integration Project because it tells your community, your people, that this is something you care about, that it matters to you. Finally, an update on Episode 8's Scott Sonnenschein's interview uh, on, on the power of not shying away from constraints and, in fact, building them into your world. Scott recently had an article in the New York Times that I wanted to point out to you. It's called, To Raise Better Kids, Say No. Parents, check this out. I think you'll find it useful. Thanks for listening to this episode of Work and Life. This conversation was originally recorded on my weekly radio show on Sirius XM 111, Business Radio, powered by Wharton. Tune in for live broadcasts of Work and Life on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern. For more about today's guest and about previous guests, check out our blog at workandlifepodcast.com.
StuFriedman.com. Join the conversation by tweeting at Stu Friedman. And for more ideas and tools for creating harmony among the different parts of life, check out our website, TotalLeadership.org, and my book, Total Leadership, Be a Better Leader, Have a Richer Life. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share it with your friends, family, and coworkers. Until next time, I'm your host, Stu Friedman, and I thank you for joining me.